For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by two guys that I have known for the best part of 15 years. I'm joined by C Vass and Gary from the band Dead Sea Souls. How you doing? Hello. Good mate, how are you? I'm alright, I am quite excited about this one. It's I funny, it's too. like you get these people in that you don't know too well and you're thinking, uh, oh, I've got so much to ask them about, but I don't even know where no, to start with you. Well, you've not been drunk with already, folk, as many times as you've been drunk with us. Let's not start with that stuff. <laughs> so, I, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, I don't know when Dead Sea Souls started, but I think we probably played our first gig with you at least in, what, 2012? It probably, it was probably even earlier than that. Yeah. We, I remember, we played the, I saw a memory actually on Facebook, we played the Barrowlands in 2009. Is that what you're thinking? No, I don't no, think. No. no, no, I think we played with the Banner Thieves a few times. We definitely played with you guys in the Admiral Bar. We played the. Uh, I played loads of gigs with you actually, but I reckon it would have been t- 2011, maybe 2010. But what year did you start? It's hard to say. Like <laughs> I was 19, so. Do you know what? I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's just when it's scary. Yeah. I think it was about 2003. It kicked off before you were aye. involved, but that was only That's for true. maybe. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I kicked off before Gary was involved. Before you got serious. Before it was serious. <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of realised that we needed a, a change of guard a wee bit. So, so who was I singing came. before Gary? Me. Were you? Aye. Thought you videos. must have been bad, Sebas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I openly admit on air I cannot sing, and I still struggle. That's no. That's no. That's no. I know technically how to do it, but actually delivering it is a lot harder than what it looks. It's a different style. No, we were a four-piece before Gary was in, and then, so that ran for a year and a half, mostly. That's important though. Really, yeah? Played with I, I played with a band called Jimmy and the Moustaches. Jimmy and the Moustaches. <laughs> Did you have moustaches? My dad's called Jimmy, and he had yeah. a big, massive moustache. Right. And it was me and a few mates from school, and I went to school with Clarkie, our drummer, and we don't know we were talking, and we go, we were playing a gig at the Crofty. You were playing a gig at the Crofty. Where was that, Livingston? No, oh. and, and, <clears throat> and then we did one at the football club together. And uh, the Green Tree. Aye, right? the green these tree. were all before I was in the band, so I was in this other band. And then and then one day we Jimmy, Jimmy and Mustache split up through creative differences. And, <laughs> what happened? Uh, no, basically <laughs> I no, well, two of the guys in the band wanted to play quite progressive stuff. Right. And I was like, no, I want to play disco beats and catchy <laughs> <laughs> <Jackie> courses. <laughs> and uh, but I'm still mates with him to this day, but anyway, poor drummer Clarky phoned me up and he was like, yeah, heard your band split up, eh? you ready for the opportunity of a lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> that was to join, join Dead Sea Souls. And, what uh, age were you then? I don't know. I was 20. Can you remember? I was 19, 20. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the math How yeah. long ago was that? So I was born in 1986, so, <clears throat> was that 2005, 2006? I would have been 2006 20. actually, I'd have probably been yeah. 20 years. Ah, so, two, so 2004, yeah. roughly when it started, aye, it's not all kicked off. Aye. Over 15 yeah, years, man. Ah, yeah, that's a I thought it only taken 10 years to make an overnight success. As you talk about it, it's 15 years, I'm currently reading Dave Grohl's autobiography at the moment, right? What could have been? Exactly. You read it, seeing the space of like that many pages for anybody who's watching, he's went from being like a high school drummer to start Nirvana, 
to making millions to cut killing himself and now he doesn't know what to do all in the space of like three times since his souls have been there that's the computer I know what was wrong no but we uh, aye no that was oh god it would be, see you say you start a band a band start date could be the time you first get around and play together but it isn't really it's, it's when you start playing proper gigs good gigs yeah. and when I say good gigs I just mean in actual venues because obviously your first 10 gigs are going to be in front of a man and his dog aye. for the most part but that's what makes a band isn't it aye definitely we uh, we served the apprenticeship like I think now you could, you could actually probably start a band record fairly easily release something on iTunes or and, and uh, sorry, Apple Music, I'm showing my age now, mm-hmm. Apple Music and Spotify, then do your first ever gig and have people there and potentially sell it out. But you couldn't do that then because no. the idea of just releasing a song was miles away. Right. It was hard. It was, it was like you couldn't just open an account with Spotify artists and put something up there. So, <clears throat> aye, so you had to gig your ass off. Do you remember like printing your own CDs and just got to say I can remember handwriting notes to record companies. Going, hello, we're Dead Sea Souls. <laughs> we're really pleased to be able to send this demo off to you. Here you go. We hope to enjoy. Here's my telephone number, email address, house address. If you can't get me, here's my girlfriend's <laughs> number. This is my dad's woman. And then zero back. Aye. But that was, that's what we were doing back then. And that was the era, like, the days when you would, football players and, and music and rock stars got scouted in the same manner. They would come and see you do your thing or a period of weeks and months and even potentially years and then go, I fucking like these guys, we can market this. But that was just coming to an end. The Uh, A&R guy, his role was changing and we were coming to the end of that period and it was all starting to become, (laughs) you probably had a MySpace as well. The band probably had a Bebo in a MySpace, we certainly did die. And so, we were still made in that mould a wee bit. I think there was something a bit more romantic about those times. Aye, going and playing Bannermans in front of three people and them hating your guts. That was a good time, like. They were good times. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Rockers? Rockers was uh, Remember Rockers? where the Archies in Glasgow aye, was, aye, 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 I think it's called Audio now. Is it? Aye, aye I think it's oh, still right, a venue. Right, there aye. you go. Well, like where the Crystal Palace is, where the Archies is in Glasgow. Right? We used to get booked in Rockers because our name was Dead Sea Souls and whoever was booking the bands must have looked at they sound like a fucking right <laughs> and they would get there and we'd be playing songs called like Disco Town and <laughs> all these kind of fluffy wee indie tunes and just fucking guys with chains and fucking beards were just looking at us like fuck are these idiots Dead Sea Souls what's a medieval biblical rock these guys what's going on and there was another Dead Sea Souls in America and they were like that was there aye aye did that ever make you think about changing the name no no you don't realise until it's too late no exactly aye we never had the foresight to check Google to see if there's anybody else called Dead Sea Souls which I was we uh, Um, hope you know hope they hear this (laughs) (laughs) I saw them I saw a video of them playing once Aye, they they were terrible, but they were like... I bet you they're in America saying the same about you. (laughs) Probably, aye. Fucking guys. I bet you've got a unique name, though. That's that's quite unique, right? Where did it come from? I've no idea. It came from an encyclopedia, right? (laughs) I I hold full responsibility for the name that I hate, which is... I hate it. It's an awful name. It's a really bad name, right? He wants to change it. But can he change it now? We can't change it now. The times we hope I just die. We went through, there was other names on the table, right, before Gary was involved, right, for a moment we were called, we were called Simone. Simone. Right. That was one point we called like her Simone. Simone. As in the name or like Simone, the, as in from Simone? Uh, Simone, Simone, 
S I M O N E. Simone. Right? <laughs> I was going Simone. 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 And I flicked it and it landed on Dead Sea Scrolls. And I'm like, oh, we can't call ourselves after the Dead Sea Scrolls. Folk will think we're some Christian rock band. <laughs> so I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll just change it to Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, that's about as exciting as I, it gets. Uh, I wish there was I, a better backstory to that, but there isn't. But do you know what I like about you and many bands that have come out of West Lothian since then? These are pals before you're a band. Aye. You know, and I don't think, maybe this is quite harsh, I know that there's a lot of people out there that have been pals, but I feel now, a lot of people in the music industry get put together because they're talented. They do, and also there's a lot of transactional stuff goes on with forming bands like because they need to, right? So no, no criticising this type of setup. It's just like somebody will go, I, I really, I've got all these songs that are mines. I need to have a band of musicians to be able to play them live and yep. contribute to how you, they're arranged and stuff like that. Whereas we were. We spent too much time being mates. <laughs> Probably not enough time actually uh, playing, but aye, that's the thing. And whenever, like, the, uh, whenever the four years all together, we're still you know, we're just we're still best mates. But we wouldn't ever do anything if one person out of four didn't want to do it. Yep. Good example is when this prick fucked off to the other side of the planet. Uh, <laughs> other folk would be like, "Well, can another guitarist? Oh, you can't. You can't do it. Can we can't do it. It's not the same." Some people who are friends he would, he will he, never get that. No, exactly. No. Aye, aye. No, it's a band's members and some acts can be interchangeable, mm -hmm. and fair enough because that's they weren't made in the same way. But nah, no, for us, we couldn't. Uh, I think as well, it depends on yeah. why they're leaving. Like you were going to work in New Zealand, you know, it's not yeah. as if you would, you'd fell out. Oh, I went for a jolly. Like. It's a good job. <laughs> five, five years carry on. Certainly, <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I enjoyed it. Fully yeah. enjoyed it. It's funny coming back though, because nothing changed. Like nothing. Well, when we're coming back that first rehearsal, there was no intention to play Dead Sea Souls music ever again. No, we were back to bed. Aye. But then, of course, this starts. Let's carry on. Jams. Let's go for a jam. Aye, okay. Aye, then we're going to play. You know, we're going to do something different. We're going to play. You could have got Simone or something. We're going to call Simone. Play. I don't know. A fucking pop cover band kind of this guy, but we. But we weren't going to even do that, and we got in, and then we were like, oh, we'll play a few Dead Sea Soul songs, then I had written a couple, and we started playing them. Like, oh, by the way, I'm really enjoying this. Do you think we should do a gig? <laughs> it was like, this, this all took probably about two, a week, two weeks to, to get through. We should maybe do a gig. We'll just do a, a wee gig in a hall somewhere, like that, like the football club in Whitburn or somewhere like that, and then that evolved into two nights at King Tut's. And, and uh, then the pandemic happened <laughs> and put the, the shortest comeback ever into context. Let's take it way back to the early days, right? Say 2005, 2006, when you started practicing together and you say, you know, you don't really start playing gigs until you play proper venues. Aye. What was the first proper venue you played, do you remember? Or when sound you station. Was it the sound station? Sound house. The sound house in Glasgow. There was a few. There was a few shows where you realised there's a lot of people here, and that's oh, right. so, like Soundhouse was one. Aye. When we played, we did a show in Liverpool for Cavern Club for a second time, and I was like, that was stood out. And but I, I guess not until you start playing the renowned venues. I remember when we were like first time at King Tut's, because mm. you've always held King Tut's in high esteem, right? Yeah. Especially back then, because you know that that's where the Gallagher brothers managed to pull, pull it out of the hat, right? And so you, you know, all the names and stairs. For me, I remember like, the first time I thought we were 
<clears throat> we were like taking it more seriously it was remember when Barfly was still up yeah. and we had been previous to that you had been relying on the goodwill of your mates and family to come to your gigs as every band does in the beginning and we, we didn't put any effort into selling tickets to go and play the Barfly none we didn't like take physical tickets for the promoter which is a thing that's deep now by the way but we used to do it I'm sure you used to do it as well and we turned up and it was, it was absolutely packed it was totally packed and we were like oh shit these people have came we didn't know them yeah. and that's a bit of a turning point that was a turning point for us. As soon as you start going to shows and you're looking at the crowd and you're like, I don't know these people personally. Mm-hmm. That's when you're like, well, folk are actually enjoying music and they're just coming because it's a piss up and they happen to know us. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> by the way, this, this whole day, <laughs> which I'm more than happy about as well. Turning point for me, right? Guys, I appreciate that. You chucked the fucking just... keyboard in the bin. No. <laughs> now, I can send you that. I can send you my momentary, right? That wee brief moment with fuck keyboards was a good idea. I didn't get rid of that. That was a turning point. No, when we we opened up the inbox one day and there was this email for a girl in America, Libby. Right? Oh, Libby Eagle. She said, fucking love you guys. She's a fucking awesome. And you open the video and it's hot in her car driving around all these little towns and villages around. Where was she from? Colorado or something like that? Sure. Right. She kept driving um, around, Illinois, going into a friend's house, putting this on, yeah, it's going mad, dancing with somebody's dog, back out in the car and that. We're like, right, so they're listening to us in the States. That's it. <laughs> We've cracked These two folk are a point. And then, to make that even better, she was a super fan, like, she just decided and one day. Nice as well, right? She said in an email one time, I'm coming over to see you. I was like, we heard about that. We were having dinner with um, our manager at the time, well, I, Ross and John, and Carmen and Whitburn. And it was a guy who'd done a website for us, and we were treating him at dinner. And we were playing in the attic that night, right. in basket right. in the attic, right? And uh, we were just having dinner before it and stuff, and somebody texted me saying, This lassie for America is here. Was that her that name's girl? fucking, ah. her name's Libby. I was like, <laughs> you take her to work basket. She just arrived. I was like, what? Is this a fucking wind up? I thought, I thought it was, because I'm, I'm sure it was Danny Bell that texted me to say, this is, uh, this is Lassie Libby's here. So you can't be fucking seeing her. She's very like, she, Illinois. <laughs> Go there and there she is. Fucking, and then she went, we had, see then, we were just about to embark on a kind of wee mini tour, which culminated in us playing the liquid rooms. I think. Ah. For, a, for an album launch, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Pass. Fuck, I don't know. We were playing the Liquid Dreams anyway. It was your headline show at Liquid Dreams and she recorded the full thing. Oh, it's camera and all that. Like, like the build up to it and travelling to the gig and no way. all these bits and pieces. She was a really nice lassie, actually. She's still kind of. She had a mad she's obsession with Scottish folk, I think. Aye, she she is she married a Scottish guy? Aye, 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 I think aye, she just like. I hope she met like one of your gigs. <laughs> she probably did. Aye. I mean, that's the thing she did when she was out here. Uh, but aye, she still comments and occasionally on stuff, and that's really strange to see. But uh, fair enough, do you know what I mean? She just obviously <laughs> thought, I like them. But, uh, mm-hmm. There you go. Right, Lavi, you'll be watching this. I, know, I hope <laughs> she is watching this, by the way. Absolutely. Is the video still online? I don't know. Probably. That'd be great to dig that out. It's because it was on YouTube. So many videos. The one for uh, her and her pal driving around their hometown with a a stack of copied Dead Sea Souls CDs and handing them into cafes and restaurants and bars. People, it's like time lapse, right? So it's really well put together. It's still on YouTube. And it just, <laughs> the thing that sticks to me about it was all these bemused faces in the <laughs> restaurant. I see the waitress just taking their CDs and be like, What's that? Like, <laughs> I 
the fuck? Coaster. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been coffee on that. Wedge fucking wobbly table up with a couple of them. <laughs> aye, but so I that was I calls right. That was a bit of a, was a bit of a mad one. But around then, it's funny because that coincided with us just starting to play like better, bigger venues and actually selling tickets for them mm-hmm. as well, which was which was good. But um, aye, no, it was just a it was a laugh. Like I said to you earlier, we. I listened to the the uh, show you did with the guys for Dictator, hearing them talk about how all the business side of it and targets and being and being really regimented about how and it's brilliant to hear it and that's how you do it. I mean, if you talk to any of the guys for the snuts, they'll tell you we were able to turn this into our business and that's why it's something that we can do sustainably. But we didn't have the first clue. Did they know what to do? We thought that maybe we would just keep playing and building up audiences and then one day some magic guy for a record company with a suitcase full of cash would just go fuck we want to say you guys yeah. we didn't realise that actually you had to know this entire other side of the, mm-hmm. the business we just played gig after gig after gig couldn't understand why we weren't getting mere <laughs> like recognition <laughs> for the kind of music scene you know but, I mean? but he's well right and I've, I've made jokes about this many times in this podcast I've had so many folk for West Lothian on now yeah. just as you said dictator Mark Sharp, Luke Lavope, like, Aye. and then obviously touching the snuts and, and Lewis mm-hmm. is the biggest success, but you were... Well, Susan Boyle's the biggest success. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but you were 10 years before all of that, and Aye, you paid, like, without a doubt, without being big-headed, you just paved the way for these people to come through. Oh, that's very flattering. Aye. I, it's we, maybe uh, easy to say in retrospect, but I, I don't know. Totally. I think Hopefully. these I think guys existed in other guises. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Luke was playing um, acoustic a lot of the time, and uh, the guys for Dictator were in loads of different bands, like mm-hmm. one of them was in the Barrels, Japan 4, uh, Bantams, and these guys always were on the scene. I suppose the only difference was that when we... When we were playing <clears throat> gigs, even locally, at the start, you had to fight tooth and nail to get people to come out and see you. Like, really, really, you had to put a gig on, you had to, like, post a text message. It was text messages, because, really, you couldn't sell a gig through social media then, so we had to, like, text every single person that we knew and try and get the word out there, and that's the difference. And then that scene built up and built up, mm-hmm. and then before long, bands, good bands, were coming to Bathgate to play Ocean Colour scene, were coming, Sunshine ah, Underground. That's and right, that's right. All of a sudden, there was this buzz about West Lothian, and yeah. folk would come out on a Wednesday night to see a touring band who they didn't know. It's amazing. They'd come into Harley's or the Attic or something, and, you know, a hundred people would mm-hmm. come in and see some band they'd never fucking heard of. Which is, which is the good, which is the, like, the marker of knowing that an area's got a scene. But I can only compare it to, you know, being from North Lanarkshire. Right? Very similar, outskirts of Glasgow, in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. <coughs> and we've never really had that. You know, and, and it's because there's maybe been one band comes or two band comes. I say never, right, back in the, maybe the 90s, you had the like, say, there was this kind of indie scene that came out of Bell Island and stuff, Teenage Fan uh-huh. Club, whatever. But it doesn't compare to what you had through there. And no disrespect, right, it's the same as us. It's like these fucking post-industrial towns that have got nothing happening. And uh, out in nowhere, there's this amazing music scene. I totally like that. But that's that, the outside looking and you see out, out of nowhere. And but it becomes, it's no, it's it becomes because we can week out those gigs there. And it comes an identity. And, and you know, you get, I'm glad that he's finally getting the type of recognition he deserves. But guys like Ross Coots are responsible for that because... Ross was booking bands and putting them on in venues in Bathgate back when nobody gave a shit. Mm-hmm. And then steadily, over time, that snowballed into something. That if yeah. Dead Sea Souls had never existed, Ross would have been putting on bands in Bathgate and he'd have found another Dead Sea Souls. Do you right. know what I mean? He would have found another band that, that was willing to go out there and, and fucking gig constantly. But 
That's guys like Ross are the guys that build the scene. But you try to play it down, but ultimately. Capaldi supported you, the boys with the snuts supported you. Look, Mark, they've all supported you. <laughs> it makes you wonder. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, you's, listen, you, the banter thieves have got a lot of similarities to us in the way that we had a tremendous local following. You could take that places yeah. all the time. And uh, that became the goal for us, was to take it out of Bathgate and then start selling out venues in Glasgow and Edinburgh. And, Try and build a wee bit of a fan base there, and that's where it becomes mm-hmm. that's where it becomes tricky. And uh, but we'd always go back to play Bathgate, and we'd usually have a, a big, a decent, yeah. a decent crowd there. So, aye, it's never kind of went away. I suppose it was nice to know when we came back that it was still there. We did the uh, dreadnought with you guys, aye. and it was good to see that people were still wanting to come out and see us. But aye, you, I mean, see for for me and. I don't know, you all know better than me because it was you that were involved, but I always thought that you were going to smash it and make it and get signed. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> I, you sold it how many nights in King Tut? Aye, so, making it, I mean, I suppose making it is where you get to a point where your band is sustainable as a business that's going to pay the people who are involved in buying it. And uh, we never ever reached that stage for a variety of different reasons. And I think <clears throat> one of them was luck. Do you know, I think, I think there is a certain element of your luck. You just need to be in the right place at the right time sometimes. But you said earlier about what it was like back then, and your comparison was brilliant. It was like football agents aye. are very similar to A&Rs at the time. And there aye. must have been a lot of A&Rs come out to see you as well. Probably there would have been. There would have been. I hear rumours about it all the time, saying so-and-so for Mercury's got to be there. Aye. And uh, it just never happened for us for, for whatever reason. But also, we didn't know, and I always reference this right all the time, right, and it's probably it's no controversial right it's, it's, it's fact but I remember we did King Tut's one night and it was sold out and after it I got invited to a, an after show and broadcast below broadcast right, right. and uh, I said no I'm uh, we're going to we're going to the ABC with our pals to get <laughs> fucking smashed I didn't realise that actually what other folk would have done in that scenario was go and rub shoulders with all these fucking people that are yeah. connected in the, in, in the Glasgow music scene. Mm-hmm. We weren't interested in any of that. And, we, and if we were, we, were, we didn't realise that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a hindrance to us as well. But we were in that transition period, like I say, between how bands used to get signed and used to be recognised as saying, well, these guys have good songs mm-hmm. and these songs will be bought by somebody. Yep. And we were at that time with the rec when the <coughs> music industry had stopped being able to sell its main product which was CDs, yeah. do you know what I mean? So we were in a funny, funny oh. wee period, but as to why it never happened for us, well, this, You have to recognise as well, right, that making it is such a, such a definitive term, it's like a benchmark, mm-hmm. but but success in the music industry is a bandwidth, right? You have to, go from your, to selling out King Tut's to selling out Wembley Stadium is a long, long process. Aye. There's a hundred thousand bands out there that you know may have made it because they were signed to a label and released an album. That doesn't Aye. actually mean very much to you. You're exactly. still, you know, you're Aye. not making millions off that sort of stuff. You can walk into any Aye. record store in Glasgow and Edinburgh, and there will be a plethora of bands you've never heard of before. Aye. Who half of them are still working on building sites. Exactly. Exactly. So what, what is making? I made, made it as the thing. I think I think if you've if you're playing music to the level you you aim to. So for us... You're selling out gigs. Aye. And there's bands that would never sell at King Tuts. Aye. So, so you've made it to a so certain extent. Exactly. That's the beginning of the band with there. How that's many a, bands are still success. playing 15 years later? That in itself is... <laughs> that's a success in our way. We look forward well, to some sort of things. Definitely. And our legacy is a good, we're, is a good we're, one that we're proud of. We're, we're up front about it now. Because when you're younger, you used to be like, 
never want to say this because you were almost been seen as non-ambitious, but music is never going to be your main income mm-hmm. as, as, as four people. It just isn't. We're going to have jobs. We've got families. We've got kids. People are getting married. Somebody's engaged. And, uh, <laughs> and that's not going to be a thing. We're doing this for different reasons. So if your goal is to like sell out, hopefully sell out some shows, some good shows in, in a, over the course of a year and uh, make the best music that we can make yep. on our own, then that's fine. That's, that's, for us, that's making it. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of like, mm-hmm. that's doing what we sell today and we're kind of halfway there. I also think there's, a, there's really an interest in that story. He says, but you just knocked back that after. So right, you went to ABC. I absolutely use word of but, 100%. And I've said this quite a few times. It's not a slight, but I feel as if the Scottish music scene, more so the Glasgow music scene, is quite cliquey. Um, it's not quite cliquey, it's one of the cliquest. It's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. And I remember, and you know, you, you guys were involved in this merry-go-round that was the tea break stage at t <coughs> Every single unsigned band at our level coveted this slot at tea break <clears throat> as if it was the most important thing that would ever happen to you in the world. And you wanted it so bad and we wanted it so bad. And uh, it never happened, and we were told by various people within DF concerts, oh, you're really close this time, you're really close that time, and next year will be the time for you guys, and you know? I'm trying not to sneeze. All right. <laughs> and, uh, Which is the mute on my And so, we but used to look time, in that, that D-break stage was the ultimate, wasn't it? It was the ultimate, and yeah. uh, of course you were guaranteed to play in front of the people, but bands would, bands would pop up and play it, and then disappear off the radar, because they were connected and they were plugged into that music scene, right? right? And and that's where that side of the business comes in. It's this networking thing, and we saw loads of them bands that would come up. And once I remember somebody inside DF concert saying to me like, "We're in, we're in real danger, and no putting any like indie pop bands on tea break because we're so obsessed with like." Bands coming in, playing upside down, fucking accordions, and it's like that's when the keyboard <clears throat> came out first. But that's but it was it was super clicky, and actually, and you guys would have felt this as well, no doubt. Being a regional band, right? Seen as being a band who, do you know what? They're good at bringing their mates to gigs. They're rowdy. They can put on a wee bit of a show. That's their level. That's their glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. Never seen as a band who would sell tickets in their own right and uh, we were that I wouldn't say that held us back but, but that's definitely but the Glasgow music team that's how we were seen that's how we, we would be like because like, remember joining the gyros they, they never saw the artistic side no, they never. They just thought we were. They like, think there's no art. There's no art, so they're followed. Just ah, this is maybe very unfair to me, right? Yeah. I, I feel that still to this day, a lot of bands from working class communities out with the cities struggle, and I, I think partly what you're seeing now is people like the perfect example is Jerry Cinnamon, right? Mm-hmm. He's a working class boy who sings about working class issues Aye. and where he's from, Aye. and the crowd that he's got. The folk for these schemes and have mm-hmm. got behind them, right? Oh, right. Look mm-hmm. at Sam Fender, right? I, he's he's a guy that's singing about real life issues, Brilliant. and these folks seem to be smashing through it. But I for so many years, <clears throat> they've been ignored because they've maybe not been arty enough or creative enough or that's dif- the thing. different enough. Aye. People aren't screaming out for different. <laughs> They're screaming out for singy, catchy. There's a know. real. There was a real. True. There was a real thing about working class uh, bands for working class areas back then because everyone else was seen as an oasis band. Oh, they're an Oasis covers band, you know, they'll do these indie songs with loads of chords in them and their fans will sing along and they'll probably turn up and get pissed but they'll sell a few tickets. That was 100% how we were perceived, definitely. There was no, like, attempt 
to see to even listen really to the music in mm-hmm. my opinion mm-hmm. you know what I mean just that's a, that's how frustrating is that though you know aye I suppose it is we're in a different place now because we it's don't it's not now you know uh, you can look back and laugh about that aye, but totally. at the time well no it was it was, frust- it was very frustrating at times because um, we'd, I, I would read these things and I would see you know it's really bad and nobody in bands wants to admit it but back then I would see other bands getting glowing uh, reviews and stuff in like magazines and newspapers like mainstream publications I'd be like I don't understand why we can't kind of garner that level of interest I don't know what we're doing wrong but it's just that's it and you think <clears throat> all these guys now like like you were saying about the Snops and Mark and Dictator and Sylvie the, the, like West Lovian is a is a really working class area mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a there's a kind of mentality that comes along with that as well and they bring that into their music Absolutely. And folk love it. They absolutely love it. But I no, I don't know. If any of them ever turned around to you and say, Thanks very much, like Well, do you know what the dictator boys have said hundreds of times right. on different podcasts? They're really nice guys and that and they they uh, make us feel right old. No, no, they listen, we get, we we don't need any more uh, praise for these bands. They've they've, they've always they've always been really nice when they're speaking about us, mm-hmm. which is great. And uh, there is a real culture of helping each other. Yep. There really is, I think. You see that with the, with the studio. The studio, aye. Mm. And the studio's become important for that reason. It has become a, a pivotal point, you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's got, there's a sense of community, there's a good sense of spirit, there's a, there's a lot of chat running about the studio now, right? right? I mean, there's, I mean, the other day, there's like 120 different musicians who come through there every week. That's aye. a lot of people talking about each other, making music. Such a small place. We, it's good for us because we can see below, see the bands that are quite visible. Most of them are making a lot of noise in it. We can we can see the wrong below that that are coming. There's through. more coming. Aye, aye, aye. I mean, we there's a band. There's Ocean Velvets and, and Cloud Nine, and you could you could name Collins the most involved in the studio that we was, but um, these guys are making good music. You know what I mean? And eventually it'll be their turn. Absolutely. The door will revolve again. Do you know what I mean? So it's good to see. It's been. Uh, it is about a community. I've heard the, I've heard the other band speak about it before, and you'll see it when Lewis and the Snuts reach any time they reach a new level, they're they're almost reaching and, and pulling and dragging up. somebody up. Do you know right. what I mean? Which is what, how it should be. That's right. that's the way it should be. What I think is really mm-hmm. impressive and, and brilliant about that is you see Lewis's gigs and Snuts and always supporting them as bands for around Dorney. Oh, aye. You know, it's still their pals. It's not as if they've let the, the record label or the promoter say we're putting on X, Y, Z. And that can be a bit of continue. Totally. So maybe one day Mark Sharp and, you know, they'll, 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 be, they'll be playing the gigs that, that Capali's yeah. currently, but they'll do the same, right? They'll, they'll pull all the, the young talent up totally. with them and they can support them at you know, Princess Street, wherever aye. it happens to be, aye. right? And that's that's important. Is. The, the West Lothian legacy, you know, continues. It's getting stronger. Right, but you fucked off to Glasgow. You're not even staying. I know. Uh, anyway, anyway I'm, I stayed. What burn? Three minutes for the studio. I'm treating my roots. I've done my time, man. He's been everywhere. He's done his sentence. I've done my time. Like I feel Don't. as if I feel as if I've been putting music like a sob story here. Like, fuck, <laughs> we sh- you should have made it, and you never <laughs> went wrong. But ultimately, right, we supported you at your farewell gig when you were going to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I think that was what. December 2013 maybe Aye, that's right and that seemed like a really emotional affair that was like mm. this huge band are fucking disappearing and they've played the barras they've played all these places and like Aye. folk were gutted Aye. Aye. you know Aye, you it, was a, it was a bittersweet night it was because there was like 
there was about 700 people packed into that church mm-hmm. or nightclub or whatever it was. I don't know. And that was very much, this is the last gig we'd ever played. Oh, aye, definitely. Aye. And we thought, and by the way, everyone has believed it. And up until about six months before we, we played King Tuts in 2019, that we, we still believed it. But, um, but aye, with me, like, it's a happy story. Ours is a happy story, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, with no regrets about how we did it. Because we all love our lives the way they are. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I would there's, there's certain... <clears throat> there's, there's, there's things about playing in a band now, the way we do it, that I'm extremely happy with. Which is this kind of... It's like, it's, it's like a... A hobby. It's like playing junior football, right? It's like playing for, <laughs> it's like playing for a part-time football team. It's like... You can uh, love the game again. You can love it. You can do it a few times a week and it's fantastic and that's, that's brilliant. So... But even no. just making music back then when you were recording you were probably getting into studios and you've got three days and you're trying to cram everything into one day now you've built your own studio aye, aye, you've got as much time as you want to record oh, and, you know. aye, oh that's a lovely blessing I really enjoy that how you just take your time take your time take your time you're making music the way you want to make it we said that that the music we make is now the stuff that we want to listen to mm-hmm. totally right and, and if, if, you know, if we want to put that you know, an upside down accordion in the middle of it then. That's what we're doing. You probably would. Some of the things that you've tried to inject in these songs, you would. Oh, only because every time Dave gets his hand on a saw, right, he's a joiner. <laughs> he's the only guy I've ever seen who can play the saw. You play the saw? Get the saws out and we'll go. That's it, he kind of bends it. You can tell. Next time we come over, we'll bring Dave and he'll do a saw solo. That's amazing. It's a matter of time, He's been canvassing for a saw solo in the middle of a song for years, but. You're right, we do. Take the time. Colin's the main driving force behind that because he's the man that has taken on the task of being the producer, sound engineer, and organizer when it comes to the to the studio. So I have to hand it to him. He's I was very surprised at how fucking good he was because <laughs> because when we did two houses, that was the first song we were recording in our in our in Gaff, and uh, we were we were really pleased with how it came out, and we took a lot of time. There was a lot of things went into that came out. Oh, it's a scrap. Then it's went fun. in and we rewrote it. We almost rewrote it during the, the recording process. And I don't mean this to sound like your your previous songs weren't mature, but they were off a time. And I feel that you know two houses that you brought out in December of last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. is the same DSS as it was before, but we have a maturity about it. You can tell it's the user out there. It's a slightly hairier DSS. It's a wee bit. Uh, it still sounds very like you, <clears throat> but you can tell that you're older. You can tell that you're more worldy. I totally. <laughs> it's less angry as well. A lot of your songs are quite angry back in the day. <laughs> angry. It's got no swearing in it. But by the way, there's no swearing in any of the new songs. No, there's not. None. Like, none. No. I've given it up. Check. I've also seen you've got kids now. Okay. I know. Well, my wife's listening to the songs. My, my wee girl, Nora's uh, five and she's like, she loves it and she's way, she, she, Santa Claus brought her an Alexa for, for Christmas and, um, she uh, she's always like Alexa, play Dead Sea Souls. That's amazing. And, uh, she wants the bit. So I really knew when it goes on. I'm like, oh, by the way, that's trendsetters. There's going to be a a, a fuck or a bastard <laughs> any minute. But I think well, the new ones maybe we'll cut this one. But the thing is, that if you play it through Amazon Music, it does come up with a parental guidance. Just does before it? you play it, I really I'm so proud of because <laughs> that was a CD you were never allowed to buy in it. Is the totally. CD? I'm almost not happy with it. Right, well, that's it. Apple Music's got that sticker on it. Aye, definitely. We did that song, uh, City Girls Mind. Aye. That never made it to the album. It was one of the songs that got cut off the, the album we did in 2012. And actually, looking back, it was the best decision I ever made because I think I, I say fucking it about maybe 20 times. 
Literally. Literally. <laughs> so it is absolutely insane. It's, it's like fucking... It's like rap song. Honestly, God, aye. But, aye. No, we are... We're, we're kind of... The way that we approach writing is different now as well. Uh, we're kind of spending a lot more time in the writing process and then we're... Then equally we're spending that time again in the in the production and post production when we're actually recording it because now we're because we're doing it for for our own enjoyment we just want to get something out of it that we're, we're really really happy with rather than getting something out because before it was a wee bit like we need this to sound like how we play it live because people love it when we play it live so it needs to and we used to get criticised for it you know, aye, I think a lot get, of bands get criticised for get, that aye they do aye, aye. They you'll do. think to that yourself eh? right? you're like why does this not sound the way Live, and you're a very energetic live show. It's it's yeah. hard to get that across in the studio. It's possible, you know. It's it is, <clears> you can do it. There's, there's there's technical ways of doing it, and it's like yeah. it's just uh, what it's is the technical ways of doing it? I don't know. Why to do it? But <laughs> one day you'll find out. Just no, make it really I mean, loud. You, the thing is, you make a sort when you go to see a band live, the sound is massive, right? Because the sound's always fantastic, and uh, well, it should be. <clears throat> and you're just there's this euphoric feeling around it and I've been there loads of times I remember I got to see Franz Ferdinand eh, no Franz Ferdinand El Presidente at Tina Park uh, and I was like fucking hell this is amazing I went to be and bought an album and I was like I it's, like not this guy. it's not the same uh, well, it was Disney very good but it was just not quite the same so the way that you replicate it in the studio must be spending more time in the production rather than just going right everybody play harder you know <laughs> the velocity of the drum strikes need to be higher everything needs to be um Ten times more energy that you can't do it like that, yeah. and I think we thought we could. <laughs> Back then, it's actually harder to capture that because you you're limited to a, 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 you've got a volume limitation, a volume limitation when you're recording music, right? But you don't have that when you're live, right? You've yeah. got much more dynamic, so it's really easy to just to crank yeah. things to pull them back, right? You know the big PA speakers have got a lot more. We like to give, but we you don't have that. We like to utilise tempo <laughs> changes during the song as well. It comes into a particularly dancey section, and we crank it up ten BPM. Dave starts playing a wee bit faster. I think that's probably you can't do that in the studio. But. You went what six years without a gig when you were away. Was I continued to play. Ah, you played as well for a bit. You I had quite a lot acoustic. of live stuff online. Aye, 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 totally. I was keeping my hand in, aye. playing an acoustic guitar, which isn't my favourite thing to do in the world. But he had a band. It's a good he cheated thing. on us. Did he? Ah, he went in New Zealand. I had a, an basically affair. Shagged another bird. Ah, basically, <laughs> it's a cover, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I played for the full time I was there. And did you enjoy it, or did you feel ah, dirty? It was good. No, because yeah. it's weird because you don't. I'd only had one girlfriend beforehand, right? Which was basically Gary and the other two <laughs> and you go do it with other people and it's just like it's more or less the same you came back and they said was it better he said it was different it was different, <laughs> <laughs> it was different. what kind of gigs did you play over there just the same but with far less people Shit, man. it's the same it's, that's how it felt this is the same over and over nobody knows ya and what so would you call it tell them the name Colin tell them the name so I've already admitted on this podcast that I've never been good at naming bands so I, we named it August Fields right August so August Fields <laughs> Oh, right. it feels like that. That's a shocking as well. <laughs> no, it wasn't really my idea. It was a guitarist in the band. There was another guitarist in the band who fancied himself as a novelist and he'd written this story about a psychopath who crossed the Australian desert on a fucking camel. And uh, the guy was called August Fields. So he said, that's a great idea for a band. And I went, aye, that's a good idea. So I, I hold myself responsible for a It's a different scene over there. It's not something like totally only band name that might be worse than Dead Sea Souls. August Fields and it's, it's still in a bit of, it's still in some of your guitar cases and, uh, and I still look at it I'm and take that off aye. Aye. 
can you hear the songs online? You can go and listen to them online. I'll plug you right now. August Fields and the rest of my bandmates. There you go. I said I'll get you on a podcast. <laughs> He's going to go out there and say, look, big I'm venues awesome. with August Fields. He goes I'm very proud of the August Fields stuff. But it does, it teaches you to play differently. Because they're different styles. So you play differently. There's a lot of stuff I took for that and I now play back with the new DSS stuff. Yeah. You just play the instrument differently. You think differently. Harmonies, I always used to sing a topic as, but now I've learned to sing underneath it. Because we had a female singer, so I had to sing underneath the female singer. And I've got which is a, which is different. <laughs> it's a different technically it's a different thing to do to sing the lower harmony, it's harder. Aye. So you come back and now I it sounds better as well. Were you yeah. apprehensive about that first gig back? No. No. Not at all. No. No, because see when we It was King Tuts, wasn't it? That was the first one. The first yeah. one was King Tuts. Like I said, it went for like talking about doing like let's do a gig. Literally in my mind I thought if we if we hire the like a hall, like a function hall in a bowling club or something and we get 50 air pals and family to come and see us, then that's that's a good, I'm enjoying that, do you know what I mean? And then, uh, aye, Ross Coots kind of dragged us kicking and screaming into the idea that we could play a big venue in Glasgow or something, and then eventually he must have went to the guys at uh, DF and got the, the King Tuts gigs organised. But um, So what happened, you announced one, it sold out, aye. you announced it sold out? 24 hours or nearly? It sold out, actually it sold out in 9 minutes. Did it? Eh? It sold out in 9 minutes combined between the pre-sale and the, and the hanging. I was as shocked as anybody. I was at my work and I put my, I was, I was at my work, I'd just started this job knowing and uh, I just put my phone in my drawer and didn't want to know anything about it and I knew the tickets went on sale at 9. I thought, I'm just got to, this has got to be so embarrassing because nobody's got to buy tickets and we're going to have to be cancelling it or something yeah. like that. And at that point it was just, obviously it was just one night. And uh, and I looked at my phone. I had all these text messages and Facebook messages. We thought, going by the way, something's something's wrong. I think on the website. I think something's. I think this is sold out. I said, and I was straight on to DF concerts and being like, your website's fucked. Something's wrong. <laughs> There's no way. And they're like, it's sold out. I was like, fucking what? I could not believe it. And then that's that's what, amazing. And then I, as soon as that happened, I was like, we've still got it. Still got it. <laughs> but I was like, I want to move this to somewhere bigger. That's the, that was my first instinct. I wanted to move this to St. Luke's mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. Uh, or all and more. And um and then I was talked into the idea of doing a second a second night. Yep. Which I'm glad we did because actually yeah. two nights in a row at King Tuts is I think it was you that said to me like playing selling out St. Luke's are, is is like is amazing. But yep. yeah, like we'll do that, do you know what I mean? We'll get to that. Yeah. But right now, today, two nights in a row at King Tuts is, is gonna be a nice feeling. And for us to enjoy it. What's better than fucking day two? Did they give you a bottle of whiskey? They did. They did. I actually got two. Yeah, I haven't seen that bottle. It's in my kitchen. They go drink. So the so because if you sell it out, you get a King Tut's whiskey. Don't you? So it's a Glengoyne King Tut's. So by the way, one of the bands we haven't mentioned on this is our absolute love for Westovians. A band called Black Black Dog Days. Oh, and and our. They're fucking really nice guy. They've got a piano player, by the way, a guy called Jamie Lando that is extremely talented. He covers other West Lothian bands' songs on the piano. Really? And <laughs> that's fantastic. Amazing. So anyway, their singer, Jimmy, is a really sound guy as well. And he, they were supporting us on the first night at King Tut's. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all packed into the wee room. Clearly you weren't there. And uh, we just, we got the, the, the guy from um, King Tut's came in with the, with the whiskey and that. And we're like, yeah, it's fucking Brilliant. Did you open it? We just, aye, we opened it and oh. poured it into, like, we just had hundreds of glasses, we poured the full bottle, and we're like, <laughs> no. I'm That's right, you don't know about it, and we just, there. And we just hand it, and then the second night, I think it's empty. That's like something you keep, mm. surely. I've still got the, 
case for the man I had. I don't know where the second man is gone. It's right. gone, the bottle and the, and the wee kind of display case went. Right. But I've still got the first one in my living room, actually. Right. Aye, so you can have a show it can be like a trophy like when a you win the football we'll get to someday <laughs> for a week <laughs> four months each there's nothing in it the bottle's gone totally <laughs> but um, I know we got the we got the obligatory uh, malt and uh, I know it just kind of <clears throat> snowballed to that point mm-hmm. and then playing the gigs was amazing it was just what a feeling and I, at this I, point I, you hadn't released any new music no that speaks volumes none absolutely none yeah. but we actually played two houses that night did you? Yeah. We did, aye. We played two houses, aye. didn't we? Aye, two, two houses. Is a, what, is, it's an older song, isn't it? It's well, been sort of doing that. I actually, I wrote it when they were away, when he was away. Right. And I had like an acoustic version of it. What's it about? It's uh, it's just about, it's, uh, it's from the day Nah. No, no, it's just about him cheating on you. It's this fucking bastard. No, no, it's just about like mates and trying to keep relationships with your pals together because it starts, starts talking about the, the doors are always open and Aye. well that's yeah. it exactly it's about trying to keep that because as you get older and you you, you get like hussies, cars, jobs, families yep. you know what I mean it's, People more, drift it's, it's well, difficult yeah. to keep the relationships um, together so aye, it's, just, it's just about that to be honest so I wrote it then and I did a, a version of it in a studio in Livingston called The Sound Station with my mate Ian Beatty actually got Scott Forsyth for Johnny and Giles yeah, to play, yeah. play keys in it and that and then when they came back when he came back sorry and we, we got back into the rehearsal room I was like I've got something ready to go if sure. you want to jam something new and then we did that and it just turned into Good. what it is now which is a low pair than what I did on mine which is <laughs> obviously aye. going to be the case but but I so the King Touch Nights went extremely well considering how nervous we were the first night because I, I hadn't been nervous for a gig yeah. since I was about 19 and I was standing in the fire escape at Touch Your Other Wee Bit. You stand down the stairs. Uh, just standing and looking out and thinking, what if we're shite? <laughs> 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 what if we're There's a great video for that night, though, online where he's, he's come onto stage and Aye. people are going well, mad. That, that is, do you know what? People talk about what the best thing is about playing live gigs and it's obviously the, the crowd singing your songs for you and like the reaction when you go into a big chorus or something, people start bouncing and you start feeding off it but one of the best things is you if in a gig like that if it's your gig and you've yep. you know it's your crowd you walk out and you're not done anything yet and they're cheering you haven't even plugged your guitar in <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself you don't know this could be terrible <laughs> we've not played we're still for, there at the end that's we've, a, aye, we've aye. not played for a millennia this could be absolutely awful but no it was they were brilliant they, are, they were two of the best shows was, they're, they're probably the two favourite gigs I've played the timing, it was terrible though in terms of, it was a couple of weeks before the pandemic. I know, literally, ah, I, yeah, literally yeah. a couple of weeks before we all kind of, I remember talking about it in the night and talking about this stuff that was going on in Wuhan and whether or not it would uh, come out here and everybody was like, nah, no chance, lockdown, <laughs> fuck, absolutely <laughs> no way. Three months later we're on the house Aye. talking to folk through the windies. <laughs> Aye, mad. But, but no, it was good. King Tuts was, um, it's good to draw a line under that as well, you know, and then I think Orenmore's a venue of why to play forever? So yeah, it's one of the only venues in Glasgow I've not played. It's a cracking venue. It's a lovely venue. It's a lovely venue. Only ever been in it to see bands play, and I always thought this is a beautiful place. This yeah. is where it should be done. Aye, Friday the fifteenth of April. Yeah, Good Friday. Aye. Good Friday. It'll be a very good Friday. Yes. yes be, if you've not got a ticket, get online and get yeah. one now. Because they're selling fast. Eh? Aye, they are. They are. We uh, see now that we know. We've had a chat. We on more. 
and we know it is definitely happening. There's mm. nothing, there's no plans. They're getting told as well for the people they get advised by that this gig has gone ahead, full capacity, exactly how it's intended, which is brilliant news. So I, I think we, I will be very, very close to a sellout now. So I think in a few weeks' time, we'll probably be, it's amazing. be there. Ah. So, and it's a lot bigger than King Tut, so it's a good, it's a nice... Uh, I know, we, we nice promised ourselves to do a wee bit differently as well. So I'm going to you know, plough a few resources into a nice lighting rig, totally. and then even performance-wise, we're, uh, we're going for a couple of new ideas, which remain secret, right? Because totally. we can't make that social commitment just yet. Right? <laughs> Especially I, since I, we have any flesh. We haven't even ideas. tried any. <laughs> it exists in our heads at the moment. Where, See, this is going to be amazing. And, and this is, by the way, this is another thing. Like, we, we spoke before, Derek, about um, doing shows on your own, right? Yeah. And I, we're not doing this on our own because actually Ross Coots is the man here. He's the guy that's pulled it together. And his uh, company, Fresh Sounds, is going to be the... Emotionally, yeah. emotional tool behind it, but <clears throat> but us and Ross are doing it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? As a, as a kind of partnership, so it's always Ross is like the fifth member of the band in a lot of loads of ways. So you play somewhere like King Tut's for DF concerts. You're just another band, right? And if you want things to happen on stage that are different to make it a show, whether that's additional lighting, a lighting engineer, it's like pff, that's your problem. You know, yeah. working on all and more and having the ability for us to then put the things in place, right? They're, they're, just, they're just random examples, but things like that to make it a show and have full control of it, you'd never get that. Sure. Just going, going and playing with, a, with somebody like DF, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's part of the reason as well where we're kind of doing this, doing this on our own. Who's so supporting you? Who's playing? Who else is playing the night? Nobody yet. Nobody yet. Yeah. No, no, nobody. We'll, we'll think yeah. about that closer to the time. Yeah. That being said, we'll need to think about it because... Um, we, it's going to be a really popular weekend for people to be gigging. Aye. You know what I mean? It will be. We don't know. And I don't know what the criteria is for finding a support band, to be honest with you, because there's a plethora of amazing support that we could choose from, and I'm sure they would be delighted to come along and share the stage. Totally. Aye, and aye. we would be honoured for them to share the stage as well. I mean, we could probably name every single band that comes in and out of our studio on a weekly basis and totally. we'll love to have you up there. Yeah. That's what for a couple of weeks. Like, I'd love, we'll, we'll see. Maybe they'll come I'm one of these folk that like to have like five support bands or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just get yeah, up, the opportunity. Like, oh, aye, sure, and all your mates and their bands and all that and be yeah. like, can just get everybody in. Totally. Um, but... I've been told specifically by Ross Coots that I need to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> you promised him any to... Well, I, 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 that night you played with you guys at the Dreadnought was just perfect. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's the, the thing. That was a great night. Acoustic, band, band. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to do it. The next single, Rats, that should be out around about the same time as this podcast. So tell us a bit about that. What date are you putting against that? Because like a lot of this rests <laughs> quite heavily upon my shoulders. At this point. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this is what it's called uh, fucking real world motivation. <laughs> it's a lot. Before you arrived, I heard it was coming out next week. Is it? Is that what <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time this goes out, it will definitely be announced uh, for sure. But aye, uh, so Rats is the next. Mm-hmm. The next. Uh, I mean, you've heard it. Brilliant. Uh, it's absolutely bad. Having a bit of fun with that. It's, it's, it's a fun tune. It's still, you may have heard the, the draft of it. We're still tweaking it a wee bit. We're still doing yeah. a couple of wee bits and pieces. But we've got, we've got a guy in the Philippines putting together a video for it. Really? Right, he's a really? mad excited about that shit. I love how you say it's going to be good. He knows nothing about it, but he knows the videos. This is how, how Dating Souls have been operating uh, since uh, day one. That's good. Yeah, that's how we never made it before. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Basically, you've got your own job to do, and you better be fucking good at it. Well, but, but I, all fails. Why the Philippines? Like, what's the story here? This is because we had this mad idea. We're going to put together a, a cartoon-based video. Oh, okay. That was a discussion, and then it just sort of got. But you as cartoon character? No. no. Oh, come on. You couldn't even make a cartoon <laughs> version. It was look good. <laughs> so no, the internet's a wonderful thing. Right, we Facebook just and Instagram's a, a wonderful thing. We just yeah. sort of had this very rough little idea for the cartoon. I just flicked it out on Facebook, just on the on the pages, you know, amateur animators and three you know, D visual effects specialists pages, and then right. and, you, and you tell them roughly what you want. Tell them it's a paid gig as well, and then and then you just got a thousand replies. People saying I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. People for did they send like a preview? Aye. Right. Not not of what we were looking for, but it's right. just done in the past. Right. We just sample them. Pretty cool. Like, that's that's like, I can't believe how like amazing stuff. How much amazing, amazing stuff. Aye. Aye. Especially if you're if you're doing something creative like this, if you're giving people free reign to be like, this is a rough remit of what we're doing. Aye. And the stuff you get back is absolutely incredible. There's no more handwritten things to record levels. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Senior kid. handwriting, by the way, they probably just threw it in the bin. <laughs> Couldn't they? That's why you never heard back. The scratchings are mad, man. What's the hit point to say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, but we've got some. We've got an idea for for rats to be because of the, the way the song is, it's different for two houses. It's mere, I suppose it is, it's slightly more like a traditional Dead Sea Soul song and yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of pumping all the way through. You don't, you don't, get, you don't really get a break for the, 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 um, for the beat of the song. And we want the artwork and the video and all that stuff to reflect it. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, and we're, go, we're really proud of this one actually. When we started the recording we had, Two houses, rats, and another song. Ah. And we thought this is the order of how these songs are going to be. For us, when we went to listen to right, we thought two houses is going to be the best one, and then probably this song, then rats has got to be a kind of bit of filler. Mm -hmm. And then once we've recorded them, oh, by the way, that's, that's my favourite song of the three. Aye, because it's like, it's just a kind of, aye, it's, 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 three and a half minutes of non stop. Yeah, just Come, keeps on going. Colin gets to play the piano on it as well. <laughs> that keyboard's out of the bin. Got the old Casio out there. The wheelie bin started playing it. <laughs> but no, I'm glad you like it. It's, uh, I'm hopeful that people will like it. Again, we're making songs that we like. We hope that people, you know, will receive it in the same way that they did back in the day when we released uh, Danny Bell and Trendsetter because it's kind of made in that mould a wee bit. That is very much, yeah. Uh, it's made in that mould a wee bit. Aye. But, uh, just got to keep churning them out, by the way. That's it. There's no reason why not. We've got we just keep on. Uh, we've got new ones uh, waiting. We've, we've, we've got, they're just, they exist in the, in the rehearsal room at the moment, recorded on our phones. Aye. <laughs> and uh, so I reckon we're good for another, just keep, every few months we've got. New, new songs to play, you know what I mean? That's the idea anyway. When things are back to normal, what does the future look like for you guys? I'm going to go back to New Zealand. <laughs> Thank <laughs> fuck. Are you <laughs> I'm going to pack his bags. <laughs> no, he's no. He's going back to that good band. No chance. He's just, just I August, August Fields. Come man. back, Colin. Come back. Can you rename it? Rename August Fields. Are they still playing? No. Oh, they sound yeah. good now. <laughs> <laughs> they went hip hop. They replaced Cox. They're deported. Uh, so. I think um, we didn't, luckily for us, again, gone back to what the, really enjoyed the, the, the podcast you did with the guys for Dictator. 
I think it shows they've got their head screwed on in terms of how they want to operate. Yeah. They've got plans, they've got really specific plans. It's, it's great to hear that Dictator have got that that mindset and, and, and there's loads of bands and they're, they're, they want to do that and that's going to be their job, you know, and I believe that they've, they can do it, like Mark Sharp and that's another one. Okay. Um, and we're just not there, that's not where we are anymore. Yep. We're making music just because we really, really enjoy it. It's yeah. one of the things that we do. We're, we, you know, we're, we're, we're three best mates, mm -hmm. and uh, first and foremost, you're making it for you. We just want to, I, we yeah. just want to be able to enjoy it, and and uh, play. And listen, if people are going to buy tickets to come and see a few gigs a year, then brilliant. You know, that's even better. Absolutely, that's absolutely fantastic. So, in terms of the future, we'd love to put it on our album. We'd love to. Um, we're not in a rush to do anything, so we'd love to do that. We're looking at the fifteenth of April has been. Again, I just want to make that show my favourite show ever. Mm -hmm. And then after that, something towards the end of the year and we'll just see how it goes. You know what I mean? We don't have any... Do you think as you get older, you appreciate it more? Definitely, 100%. Sure. Oh, yeah. God, I, 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 For I, sure, man. Because you look back, well, it's a nostalgic thing to even look back now, so you think, well, we could... Uh, it was great to get that feeling each time just looking back. We could kind of demora and look back and be like, that was amazing, Larry. Ah, I course. loved that. We did so many cool ah, stuff, cool yeah, things. Totally. You know what I mean? And we, uh, aye, we just can. We, we just, the way I think it now is like if I stopped this to now, I'd miss it so much. Yeah. You know I mean, I'd be really, really mm -hmm. like I'm not ready at all to stop. Totally. To stop doing this, man. Ah. Sound like a 35 year old football <laughs> player in the <laughs> Premier League who's like, I Roy, how many more seasons have you got in you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. The knees are knees you are short. You know what you said? You yourself. Like, Times, you know how it is. You know how it is. There's it's, that beats like you can't even replace it. The buzz is incredible. Well, like, like, 300 people singing back a song to you that you wrote in your bedroom. Aye. You know, 50 years ago. Come on, man. That's incredible. That's all right. It's a unique experience for a small selection of people, everybody here included. And of course, you know, long may it continue. It's getting that gig with you great, guys. Great, absolutely. And that's what the future will hold. We'll be playing our show. Looking forward we, to it. We'll, right? we'll come to these parts. Hey God, you'll never leave. <laughs> Podcast is success, so. It's doing well. Aye. What, what number's this going to be? This is going to be, so I want to say, 80 maybe? 80. 80. 80. Aye, yeah. I can't wait for the Carol Baskin one. That'll be out just before this, aye. I so. can't. How, how long did you chat to her? Too long. Uh, really? <laughs> was she, she, she was about 45 minutes or so. Really? Aye, aye. That's yeah. brilliant. She was brilliant. She aye. did nice, aye. Really Lovely, nice. Aye. Aye. That's amazing. Sweet, man. That's amazing. I saw the Jeremy Corbyn one as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So please go back and listen to the Carol Baskin one if you have not. But uh, see Bass Gas, thanks so much for, oh, for coming along. Thanks for it's been a pleasure chatting to you again. Thanks to everyone who has watched or listened to this podcast. Please go back and check out some older episodes if you've not done so already. Cheers. Cheers.